we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for August 5th, 2012, continuing on with the reports, another, the next report then, and again, these reports, I try to list them in the order where they're pertinent to one another, so if you're starting here, you need to go back to part one and continue on, because this one relates to the last things we were talking about. A report out of Pravda, which is a, I believe a Russian news outlet, quotes President Vladimir Putin as saying Russia has moved strategic nuclear missiles to Cuba in response to the United States' continuing efforts to encircle Russia in Eastern Europe. So here's another thing with the war drums that we're seeing. Another, and then there's all kind of tensions now between Russia and us because of what's going on in Syria as well. So there's all kind of things going on here. The article written by Luba Luko, who's a good buddy of mine, actually. He still owes me five bucks, that guy. No, just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, an article written by Lubo Luklo explains how Russia is reviving its military operations in Vietnam, Cuba, and Chasilis. In October of 2001, President Vladimir Putin announced that the Lord's Radio Electronic Center in Cuba had been shut down as a, quote, gift to President George W. Bush on the basis of promises given by Bush that the U.S. military defense system would never be deployed in Eastern Europe. However, with missile defense systems under the auspices of NATO now reaching interim operational capability in Europe at the end of May, that promise has been shattered. Um, okay. Going further, the Russian Federation has fulfilled all terms of the agreement. And even more, and this is Vladimir Putin talking, and even more, I shut down not only the Cuban Lords uh, Center, but also the Kamran in Vietnam. I shut them down because I gave them my word of honor. I, like a man, has kept my word. What have the Americans done? The Americans are responsible for their own words. It is no secret that in recent years the U.S. created a buffer zone around Russia involving in this process, not only the countries of Central Europe, but also the Baltic states, Ukraine, and the Caucasus. The only response to this could be asymmetric expansion of the Russian military presence abroad, particularly in Cuba, the report quotes Putin as saying. So now we can have Russian, we're going to have Russian nukes in Cuba again, um, right off you know, the coast of Florida. With the full consent of the Cuban leadership on May 11th of this year, our country has not only resumed work, in the Electronic Center of Lourdes, but it has also placed the latest mobile strategic nuclear missiles on the island. <laughs> so he's flat out telling them right there. They did not want to do the do it the amicable way. Now let's now let them deal with this, added Putin. Why isn't this like number one news story on the American you know, no, it's 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 not even worth talking about, evidently. <sighs> okay, so then let's go to the next article. Government silently positions for martial law as financial collapse arrives in America. The U.S. government has been scheming on how to provide for continuity of government for many decades now. Continuity of government means that once this martial law is implemented, once whatever national, uh, uh, natural or man-made disaster happens, they want to make sure their government continues. That's why it's called continuity of government. Okay, According to Peter... Santilli, an informant who was an ex-Marine and worked in on portions of the contingency plans known as Rex 84, which is a fact. I mean, you can look up Rex 84 online and see what it entails. It's, you know, part of the martial law preparations. Anyway, um, 
Civil unrest will come after a financial collapse. Well, that's one of the scenarios. The readiness exercise 1984, a.k.a. Rex 84, outlines, and there's a link here you can click on to, if you want to know more about it, outlines continuity of government wherein the U.S. Constitution is suspended, martial law is declared, and the U.S. military command take over state and local governments in order to ensure stabilization of our nation at any cost. Any American who is deemed a, quote, national security threat, and guaranteed those will all be ones that won't want to turn over their guns, and that's just the bare minimum. Anybody who believes in the Constitution, Bible-believing, um, patriotic, they'll all be considered threats. They already are now. They're considered national security threats. They would be detained in an internment or FEMA camp. Which, you, you mean, if you get to that point, you know, it's pretty much worst case scenario. If they get you to the camps. From from everything I've read. You know, they get you there, it's it's the extermination center. I mean, they got to reduce world population. they got to fulfill the first commandment of the, uh, of the New World Order. Ten Commandments. And the first commandments to reduce world population to 500 million. Uh, 500 millions, you know, we're looking at approaching a 95% reduction in world population. So they got to kill us somehow. And I think the, the best, easiest way would be a pandemic scenario. Because they wouldn't have to get their hands near as dirty. I think they could come out smelling like a rose much better in that scenario than they would this scenario that I'm talking about here. Now, again, I'm going to be going over some Bible verses to counter counteract a lot of the negative information that I'm going into now. I'm just telling you what they're saying. I'm not telling you to lose faith and go nuts and give up hope and run around like a chicken with your head cut off and, and whatever. Okay? I'm not I'm not here for that reason. Okay? But I'm going to report on, on what I'm seeing here. So, the author of Rex 84 was Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, National Security, White House aides, and the N. SC liaison to FEMA. Rex 84 is the plan. The triggers are, so the triggers are a series of executive orders. There's a link here you can click on to see all the executive orders. They can basically do whatever they want to for any reason once the executive orders are in place. They can take your family, they can take you, they can make you put you in forced work camps, they take all your possessions, they take your land, everything. You're basically owned lock, stock, and barrel by them. Okay? According to them. It is the continuity of government under specific contingency strategies that are laid out in various operation guide manuals. Operation Garden Plot is a sub-program of Rex 84. Here's a, there's a link to Operation Garden Plot. If you don't believe this stuff, check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. I give you links. I give you all kinds of ways to explore the different subjects I'm talking about. And then a lot of times, and I'm going to give you a series of links here to further explore this, a lot of times I'll also post my audio teachings I've done on a particular subject. Or if you hear something that I mention, you can always go up to the contendingfortruth.com website and key in one or two keywords in the search box. Many times I've already done studies, multiple studies on a particular subject. So, going for, forward here, um, twice before Rex 84 was actually implemented. Once during the L.A. riots, and then the next time on 9-11. In these scenarios, only small portions of the entire set of documents were used. And they were only done in very small areas of land as well. It wasn't like a nationwide implementation of it. Within the series of contingency plans, implementation of them depends on the severity of the situation. Some of the plans would include internment camps, 
where all or portions of the active or inactive military bases would be transformed into work camps, where all, where all considered to be dissident would be held. The NORTHCOM Army Manuals clearly state that NATO forces will be used in every phase of the operation. That's a pretty big statement I just made right there. Because people will say, well, there's no, there's no truth to this foreign troop stuff in America. The NORTHCOM Army Manual clearly states that NATO forces, meaning foreign troops, will be used in every phase of the operation, essentially once martial law is implemented. Now, I give you four links here, and I don't have time today to go into this. If I were to try to go over all the information in these four links, it would be an eight-part study today. Probably bare minimum. And I, I just don't have time. But I give you the links on page seven of the PDF. If you're listening to this online, look up on YouTube. At contendingfortruth.com, there's a PDF associated with, I'd say, 99.9% of all the teachings I've ever put up. Okay, It's free. You can go click on it. Explore it for yourself. There's clickable links in it, and there's four links here that you can click on. Page 7. And the first one is entitled, Texas, Foreign Troops Spotted at Walmart Masking for Supplies Using Government Vans. And there's other stuff mentioned in that article. The next one is called Multiple Martial Law Drills, Massachusetts Citizens Frightened by Midnight Military Exercises. Okay, where they're seeing all these black helicopters go on and all the stuff. I know somebody personally that was out at uh, Virginia Beach and they saw two black helicopters flying literally, I mean a huge tourist area, literally real low on the beach by all the hotels. Two black helicopters, no markings, totally black. That's a real bad sign. What are they trying to do? They're trying to acclimate large portions of the populace to accept this as normal. Okay? Um, the links, the titles I'm reading you do not do justice to what are in the links. The links go into a lot of different various scenarios, a lot of different independent people talking about what they're seeing, foreign troops, particularly Russian troops, a lot of this going on in like Montana and Colorado in particular, huge um, sightings of different various sightings of Russian troops, a lot of that. And typically, very well-built, muscular Russian troops that a lot of times will speak perfect English. Maybe they'll talk Russian among themselves, but then they talk to you and they speak perfect English. These are Spetsnaz troops. These are like the equivalent of our Navy SEALs. And they're training with our best troops, from what I am seeing. So, listen, I don't think at this point... This can be remotely denied anymore. Not that I've ever had anything to show me that this is all a bunch of garbage anyway. Okay? But the reports keep coming in over and over and over again. Hawk has devoted whole broadcasts lately to this. Now, I'm not saying I believe everything from Hawk or Steve Quinn. I'm not saying that, that, that you know, because obviously they're getting a lot of their stuff secondhand too. Okay, but I don't think when you see them and other different alternative news media outlets of other different people with various independent sightings and reports, I don't think they're all. I don't think they're all bogus. I don't see how they could be. You know, nobody's ever going to get perfect one hundred percent intel. But when you start seeing it over and over and over again, you know. Now, the one thing about Hawk, I'll question, I, I caution you, 
is that he keeps talking about the Gog-Magog War. There is, the Gog-Magog War happens at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Just key in Gog or Magog in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Biblically speaking, there's no doubt. There is no way we should be looking out for the Gog-Magog War. It does not happen now. I biblically prove it. It's not me proving it. It's the Bible proving itself. It, there is no Gog-Magog War in any kind of, of, of um, near-future time frame. It's at the end of the thousand-year millennium, and it's the Bible's very, very clear on that. Crystal clear. If you compare Scripture with Scripture, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, please, on the Gog-Magog War, at least listen to that study, because I get into the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, I get into the Gog-Magog War, I get into the seven-year tribulation. Yes, it's seven, it's not three and a half. Prove that biblically, too. I'm not saying that to denigrate anybody. I'm just saying that he really needs to get up to speed on that one point. Okay, um, not no disrespect, but you, we need to put out good doctrine. <laughs> you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna say something, we we need to make sure we're putting out really good, solid biblical doctrine. That is not something that we're gonna see in any kind of. New, but if people are looking for that and they're focusing on something that's not going to happen for another at least thousand and seven years, most likely, or in that time frame. Okay, a thousand year time frame. Um, we're going to be focusing on the wrong thing. So, anyway, um, then the next article, Russian troops infiltrate USA and they're responsible for multiple attacks. They're saying here that all these Russian troops that they've got right now, um, these wild force, these wildfire that took place in Colorado, they were the ones that set them. And, you know, they make a pretty compelling case. And then this last one is um, Alaskan Island Tradeoff. Now, this is from a guy... That I think it's a guy that wrote into Steve Quayle. He said, I, I read the article about a Dumbo supposedly giving away seven Alaskan islands to the Russians back in February. Now, I wanted to check this out, so I researched this and I found a link on World Daily Net. And here's, here's a link to it, so you can see this is not something that's being made up, it really did happen. And an excerpt from that says, The Obama administration is supportingly giving away Wrangell, Bennett, and Jeanette and Henrietta Islands in Alaska to Russia. Uh, in, well, not in Alaska, it should say, um, of Alaska to Russia, because they're islands. Okay, The federal government drew the line to put these seven Alaskan islands on the Russian side. Former senat senatorial candidate Joe Miller broke this story at World Daily Net. So this did happen. We did give away seven islands to the Russians. Now, a high up inside source says those seven islands are payment for the 350,000 Russian troops here that will disarm and kill Americans when the collapse comes. Make more sense now? Yeah, but you were just saying that, that Putin just put uh, missiles in Cuba and, and that Putin's, well, he's sending warships into the Syrian waters because of what we're doing. It's all a stage, it's all a theater, it's all controlled crisis, it's the order out of chaos. Just because we appear to be at odds with Russia doesn't mean we're not orchestrating. Doesn't mean the Illuminati's up there orchestrating every bit of it. 
Those seven islands are payment for the 350,000 Russian troops, Spetsnaz. These are the, these dudes are trained from like the, the way the Greeks trained their children, from what I've heard, at a very early age to be total killing machines. Without conscience. I mean, crack, hardcore troops that are killing machines. Those seven islands are payment for the 350,000 Russian troops here that will disarm and kill Americans when the collapse comes. Well, they all, they know that if they use Russian troops that have an inherent hatred for us anyway, they don't have any conscience, they're from an ungodly country, it's not like there's any kind of real Christianity there, okay, and they use other foreign troops that hate America as well, they're not, those troops aren't going to have any problem coming in, killing, stealing, raping, doing whatever they got to do in order to disarm Americans. Whereas they know 100% that our own troops, they're going to have a much harder time implementing that. Not saying that our own troops aren't going to be part of it. But the Russian troops would obviously be a more logical choice. It includes their training, their wages, their guns, their ammo, their tanks, their assault weapons, and housing in underground bunkers. That's, that's why we don't see these guys in mass roaming around. They're in underground bunkers. Yeah, you'll see them once in a while. They get to go out for a little bit in small groups. So in reality, going back to this article, so in reality, Adumbo gave away our lands as payment to kill most of us off. While most of our troops are overseas, back in February, the deal was made, just like the article says, about giving away seven islands. So, so they say no money in the article was given because there wasn't any U.S. dollars paid. Instead, they made a deal for the slaughter of our blood and lives for the rich oil-based islands, and will let the Russian troops do the dirty work. Wow. Besides, how could they afford to pay the Russian troops, you ask, you ask to attack American people? They can't. We are, we are already $16 trillion in debt. In reality, it's over $200 trillion. They don't want our soon-to-be useless dollars anyway, which would make sense. They would want something tangible, like gold, silver, land. Okay? I've said the coming economic collapse. They even said here when Rex 84 is implemented, it will most likely be after a financial collapse. I've told you in previous studies, watch the euro, because if you see the euro collapse, we've probably got about two weeks before the dollar collapse, and then that by itself, could they could impose martial law very easily. So you, if you see the euro collapse, if you've got a plan in place, now you listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm saying if you've got a plan in place... That would be when you would want to think about implementing the plan, the bug out plan to wherever you're going to try to get to. If that's what you've been led to do. Maybe you're already in a, a place that's kind of like you know that. or You do what the Lord Jesus Christ tells you to do. It's not cookie cutter. It's not going to be the same for everyone else. But um, let's go further here. So in reality, it's over $200 trillion. They don't want our soon-to-be useless dollars. Anyway, so payment was made with the seven oil-rich islands for the Russian troops. It all fits the puzzle and the mystery behind what the payoff was. You may post or do whatever you want with this information. Pass it along. Encourage everyone you know. So, you know, I read that and I said, wow, in relation to all of the other information I'm reading, that really makes sense. Because it's a fact those islands were given to Russia as payment for something. Well, we got all these Russian troops here. They show up. And I mean, there's been... I've heard more sightings of these guys. And again, you can click on those four different links. Read it for yourself. See what you think. But we are 
guaranteed closer now than we've ever been. Every second that ticks by, we get closer to the day when whatever they're going to trigger happens. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is in control, and he's been ever merciful to us, I believe, to give us more time to prepare to delay this. But there's going to come a second when that... I, I, I truly believe the Lord is going to let this stuff start to happen because I believe they have to get permission from God. Satan has to go to get permission from God to let these things implement. And when that happens, I don't know, but I really believe it is very, very soon. If we got out of this year, it would be a gigantic miracle. I do not believe we have until the end of the year. I don't know if we have another week. But again, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. All I can do is kind of give you the big picture. You take it to the Lord in prayer, you know, and and go from there. So, next next thing that relates to this is a link I just saw yesterday. And it, it says, as the United States trumpeted its success in persuading Pakistan to end its seven-month blockade of supplies for NATO troops in Afghanistan. Now, here we're talking about NATO troops again. Okay. Uh, another group privately cheered its good fortune, the Taliban. One of the Afghan war's great ironies is that both NATO and the Taliban rely on the convoys to fuel their operations, which is a recipe for seemingly endless conflict. See, they make more money off one day of war, the Illuminati, than they do off a year of peace. They've stated that before, out in the open. That's a direct quote. I believe it's from, I don't know, one of those warmonger dudes. Anyway, so... <laughs> They get the, I believe what they're saying here is the Taliban commandeers many of these convoys for NATO and they get supplied and then the ones that get through supplies NATO so they can just keep warring. And, you know, that's how the Illuminati makes their money. And sacrifices to Satan, the more people die, the better. The U.S. military estimated last year that $360 million in U.S. tax dollars ended up in the hands of the Taliban. $360 million? And our tax dollars ended up in the hands of the Taliban? Yeah. Criminals that ended up in the hands of the Taliban, criminals and power brokers with ties to both. More than half of the losses flowed through a $2.1 billion contract to truck huge amounts of food, water, and fuel to American troops across Afghanistan. Oh, golly gee, they got another one of our convoys. Shucks. Oh, well, we'll just send more. I believe they're letting this happen, obviously letting this happen, so that the other side can be fueled, so that they can keep fighting. Just the same way they did in Vietnam, where they hamstringed us where we couldn't like bomb certain cities or, or do certain things, which kept the Vietnam War going on more and more and more and more. And it was a total jungle warfare nightmare. It's just one of the many ways they, they found to keep war going. Should a situation warrant, now I'm going back to the main article now, should a situation warrant serious attention, crowd control methods would be implemented. Now this is by Martial Law Rex 84 scenario. One possible scenario was the use of cluster bomb units that will emit upon detonation a sleep and kill chemical weapon that will not disturb infrastructure, meaning it won't blow up buildings, but it's, it's a chemical weapon, but is lethal, lethal to all living things within the affected zone. So it kills everybody in the affected zone, but then all the infrastructure, they can come in and take over the buildings and just dispose of the bodies. That's one of the ways they could say they could 
do this. This is just one example, says Santilli, as to the links that U.S. armed forces are trained to make sure continuity of government is preserved. Santilli explained that the use of foreign troops on U.S. soil, as described in Rex 84 and other subsequent manuals, would have a twofold purpose. Firstly, to provide extra security in designated areas, cities, and highways. And secondly, as scapegoats, where, where violent action used against American citizens should the U.S. military be directed to attack civilians. So see, they could say, well, it was all the foreign NATO troops that, you know, we can, they were, they kind of got out of control. Yeah, they killed millions of Americans trying to disarm them. And, you know, but those foreign troops, you know, they're just, they're wacky guys, you know. What, what can we say? I mean, you know, you, you try to rein them in, but what can you do? So that, in other words, they'll have somebody to blame. Um, so, but the Bible says absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, anyway, let's go further. Santilli explains that his knowledge of Rex 84 provides that within the document, one of the scenarios that would cause a complete suspension of the U.S. Constitution, Bill of Rights, and implement martial law would be financial collapse. Now, again, I've talked a lot about that recent weeks, recent months, okay? But, it, again, it's only one of the multitude of scenarios where we could actually have martial law. He says, once the collapse occurs, and, again, that's just inevitable. It, it's, there's nothing backing our money. They print it out of thin air. It's not like they've got all the gold in Fort Knox anymore. It's not there. Okay, there's no there's no gold back in the money. There's no more silver back in the money. Hasn't been that way for a long, long time. So they just print it out of thin air? Yeah, they just print it out of thin air. Create it. That system cannot continue to go on forever. It has to collapse at some point. And they've milked it and milked it all they can milk it. And I just don't see how they're going to be able to milk it much longer. So, let's go further. He says, once the collapse occurs, the U.S. government and the defense agencies estimate they have a 72-hour window to activate all procedures to ensure continuity of government as well as a lockdown of the general population as civil unrest, riots, and outbreaks of violence are anticipated. Everything will come to a standstill in America. The trucks, the highways, no more food. We may lose electric. You can imagine. is weak and apathetic. And I'm not talking to my listeners. I'm saying in general, the Americans. Remember what I just said? We've got more people dependent on government right now. It's, it's approaching like 50%, if not more. Totally dependent on the government for their survival. And it's one of the most weak, decadent, godless societies the world's ever known. I'm sure they got bro cream religion, a little dabble, do you? You know, maybe they got they go to church like a you know, they go to the Catholic Mass at Christmas and Midnight Mass and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, they got a little bit of that. But not to say that's a good thing, but I'm just saying it, it's a real bad scenario. Okay? They're gonna do whatever the government says. And the government's gonna get let it get real, real bad. So they're real, real super, super desperate. Because see, desperate people Fear, pain, desperation will turn somebody that maybe was, you know, saying, wow, bless God, I wouldn't do this or that. Oh, yeah, okay. We'll see when that scenario hits, and there's a lot of fear, desperation, a lot of very crazy things going on. A lot of people are going to start doing things they said they would have never done before. You're going to see people's true colors. You're going to see who the true Christians really are at that point. 
If you're seeing wavering now from Christians when it's good, you better be real careful of that person because if they're wavering now, <laughs> when it gets bad, that <laughs> it's not a good scenario. Most likely they're going to go in the wrong direction. The Bible says, Jesus Christ said, think, think not that I come to bring peace, but a sword, and, the, and the, a man's foes will be they of his own household. Mother against daughter, father against son, wife against husband. The whole nine yards. So, if you've got people you're in association with right now, and they're lukewarm, and they're thinking you're nuts, and this and that, don't think they're not going to turn against you when this stuff starts to go down. I really believe you're going to see a lot of people, their hearts harden very quickly. Part of it is going to be due to anger. Part of it's going to be to them wanting to hold on to this world. Part of them is going to be anger from the fact that they were told these things, but they rejected them. Part of it is literally God searing their soul with like a hot iron. Them being turned over to the strong delusion that the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and for this cause, and this is the same scenario of the falling away of the church, the revealing of the Antichrist, that whole same time frame that we're moving into, and it says, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. A lot of these people will have been showed the truth. They'll been showed the truth clearly, but they didn't receive it. They didn't receive it. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 6. And because thou hast rejected knowledge, thou shalt be a priest to me no more, and I will also reject your children. You better be careful what knowledge you're rejecting, you know, because the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, regarding this time we're going into, Matthew 24, 24, if it were possible, they, the Antichrist, there's going to be many Antichrists. There's going to be one Antichrist, capital A, but many Antichrists and false prophets and, and deceivers and, and these types of things. They shall deceive the elect, if it were possible. So that's why it's important to pray for humility because you don't ever want to get to the point where you think, well, i got everything figured out. Nothing's going to get over on me. <laughs> that's pride. And pride will set you up for deception every time. Just look at what happened to Satan when his heart was lifted up. He got so, his, his head got so big that he thought he was going to usurp God. I shall be like the Most High. I will ascend under the sides of the north. Just look at Ezekiel. I mean, <laughs> we're talking delusional. You know? <laughs> You're not going to depose God from the throne. <laughs> it's actually funny to even think about that he, he, was, he went there in his head. But that's why humility is so important. You know? And this is humbling information. This isn't fun stuff I'm reporting on. I mean, I don't take pleasure in doing this. But I'm here to warn people. But I'm telling you, be careful, you know, your actions in the end time, because if somebody's not if somebody's not on the same page as you, and when things start to get bad, you may see them start to go in a totally opposite direction. 
You may, I'm serious, you may start to see that. I've seen it many, many, many times over the years. People will get to a certain point where, they, where they've, they've assimilated a certain amount of information and they just get to a point where they're like, enough, no more, I'm not going to believe any more of this. Nope, I'm not going to believe it. And they turn and totally go in the wrong direction. But the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. You just don't get that as an option. It had been better that they had never known the truth than to have known the truth and turned from it. That's what the Bible says. See, once you hear it and you know it and you own it, you're responsible for it. You can't just run away from it then. You can't. Biblically speaking, your punishment is going to be much worse than somebody who had never known that same information. That's all through the the New Testament, that concept. So, you know, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. That's what Jesus Christ said. Pray that we, you know, we will be more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you've got to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and they loved their lives. Not under the death. That's how you overcome them. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony and not loving your own life. In other words, not trying to save your own skin for the sake of saving your own skin. I'm not saying that there's not a survival thing in each one of us, but I'm talking if you're trying to save your own skin at the expense of selling other people out, that's ungodly. You know what I mean? But I think we're going to see a whole lot more of that. Let's go further. Uh, and I, again, I, I say that because I think it heavily relates to this subject. I think we're getting ready to see who are the true Christians. You know? Man, I tell you, if... <laughs> honestly, I, I would think that a, a sudden death, that would be awesome. Compared to the horrificness of what is coming, if you were... I mean, honestly, that would be a good thing, I would think, from a biblical standpoint, if the Lord would permit a sudden death for you. It's better than a long, agonizing, slow, cruel, you know, death, I think, you know. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, everybody's different. There's going to be martyrs that are called for that. There's going to be martyrs that are killed suddenly. I'm not saying we're all going to be martyrs either. I'm not saying God can't deliver us. But, no matter what the scenario that we're facing, we need to be mentally prepared to face whatever's coming. You know, and never, ever, ever deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Never. Doesn't matter what what they do, threaten, whatever. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So let's go further here. Um, a source at Deutsche Bank um, claims in 2008 our financial and monetary system completely collapsed. And since that time, the banking cartels have been propping up the system to make it appear as if everything was fine. In reality, our stock market and monetary systems are fake, meaning that there's nothing holding them in place except the illusion that they have been stabilized since the stock market crash of nearly five years ago. Again, that's the same concept that I just went into. This can't go on forever. It'd be one thing if there was real gold and silver back in... Our monetary system. That hasn't been the case for decades. Since this time, the Department of Homeland Security, in conjunction with FEMA and other federal agencies, have quickly been working to set in place their directors of control under silent martial law. The Deutsche Bank informant says that the financial collapse that happened in 2008 will be realized here in America very soon, meaning realized out in the open. 
Once that happens, there must be full implementation of martial law to control the potential riots and control over citizens that will be desperate to feed their families. The attacks of recent on the Second Amendment play a significant role in attempting amicable ways to remove the possibility of civilian retaliation against the U.S. military's presence throughout the nation. What do we have today? Some white guy in his mid-30s walks into a Sikh, because, see, that's the new terrorist. That's what Homeland Security says, is, is the new terrorist. You know, the, the, the average profile of the new terrorist. So, this is just going to be one more ploy to say, see, guns are bad, Second Amendment's no good, and these types of things. However, and I wonder how many people were armed in that Sikh church, you know, if any. However, if they cannot remove the guns from our hands in time, they will continue on with the guidelines set out in Rex 84 with directives to kill any dissenters that refuse to obey. Now, let's give some biblical balance to this whole subject. Because I don't mean to be Johnny Raincloud, but let's kind of look at some other things. What does the Word of God say? Well, Zephaniah 2, 1 through 3 says, Gather yourselves together, yea, gather yourselves together, O nation not desired. This is pretty much our nation. Before the decree bring forth, before the day passes chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, Humility, meekness, humility, one and the same. Okay, Meek does not mean weak. The Bible says Moses was like the meekest man alive, but he also, you know, obviously had a huge backbone. Okay, So, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. See, biblical godly judgment is a godly attribute. When a nation doesn't have godly judgment, it deteriorates into like what we have here in America where the court systems are a farce and evil is called good and good is called evil. See, that's ungodly judgment. Okay? So let's go further. It may be, seek meekness. It may be, ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. That's where I want to be. I want to be hid in the days of, day of the Lord's anger because I know the Lord's anger is coming on this country, eventually. And all ungodly nations, not just America. What does it say to do that? Well, have you wrought his judgment? Have you have you judged justly? Okay. Have you sought righteousness? Have you sought meekness? Well, if you've done those things, it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. I'm giving you a equation for appropriating God's protection. Three things they mention here. Seeking just judgment, seeking righteousness, and seeking meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. That's where I want to be. Under the covert of his wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. That's like under the shadow of his wings. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we want to be, right? Isaiah 66, 2. For all those things hath mine hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. 
Poor doesn't mean, you know, poor means like meek and humble in this context. Contrite, meek, humble. Okay, and trembleth at my word. Also, meek, humble. If you tremble at God's word, you're not going to be like all full of pride. <laughs> you know, it's contrary to that. So, that's, the Bible says right there, to this man will I look. These guys that are all puffed up with pride and thinking they're super Christians and stuff, oh man, they're in for a rude awakening. And trust me, I don't think of myself in that <laughs> in that way at all. Like I said before, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm very grateful he's put me in a position where I can warn people. Um, and it is very humbling to to, you know be able to do that. And I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for it. But I know it's not of me. I know it's not because I'm so whatever. You know. Um, anyway, Isaiah 66, 3-5 through 5 says, Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. Mind you a lot of America. I will also choose their delusions. Now, doesn't that kind of line up with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says God will send them strong delusions? That they will believe a lie? That they might all be damned or receive not the love of the truth, but have pleasure in righteousness. What does that imply? That implies that they had a chance to receive the truth. But they didn't. They denied it. Ultimately, they denied it. Maybe they abode in truth for a while. Like the Bible says, there's four different types of, of ground where the seed can be planted. You know, the good ground, the stony ground, these types of things. And some where it takes root for a time, and then it withers away. Well... I will choose their delusions. God said he's going to do that. And will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes, and chose that in which I delighted not. Hear the word of the Lord. Ye that tremble at his word... Your brethren that hated you, remember what I said about how we're going to see a lot of Christians that call themselves Christians are going to turn on the people that have been trying to warn them? I mean, if you're listening to this and, and, and you're aware of this type of information, you have to understand, you're one of the very few. Don't let pride come up, because please, that's not why I'm here to instill pride in people. It should humble you. And not to say I'm the purveyor and giver of all truth, either. Okay? I'm just trying to be a conduit. I'm just trying to, you know, be a liaison to get this stuff out and, and so that you're prepared. So that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, uh, you know, like the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So if we're ignorant of his devices, what that verse implies is that he will get an advantage of us. Well, that's the norm for most people that call themselves Christian. He's got advantage of them, and they don't even know it. They're in bondage, and they don't even know it. They're under strong delusion, and they don't even know it. That's the scary part. So, hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. That implies fear of God. Fear of God is the ultimate prescription for humility. You want humility? Pray for fear of God. If you fear God, you will automatically be, be humble before God. If you don't fear God, pride will automatically well up in you pretty much, and you'll think, man, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm Mr. Super Christian. Nothing's going to get over on me. 
no, don't go there. Bad place to be. Okay? Ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, boy, we're going to see a lot of that in the coming future. Huge. They call themselves brethren. You try to give them truth. I hear this all the time. I got, I'm so frustrated with my church. My pastor won't, won't, you know, he says that the NIV is the word of God. He, he justifies his 501c3 position. He, 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 he justifies why, you know, he preaches a lukewarm gospel. He, he, he lets all kind of sin into the church. Those are going to be the very same people that hate you. The pastors and the people that follow that pastor who have their life invested in that man or that particular ministry. They're not following God so much as they are following a man. Cursed be the man that trusted the man that maketh flesh his arm and his heart departed from the Lord. Those people are going to turn against you like a rabid dog if they haven't already. They probably already have. Maybe to your face, maybe behind your back. But your very presence convicts them of things they don't want to face. This type of ministry that I'm in would do the same thing. They don't want to face that type of stuff. Oh, that's never going to happen. You're just, you know, you're just being negative. You're not having faith. The Bible says that evil men and seducers are going to wax worse. I mean, look at the book of Revelation. It's not like sunny, happy, shiny, fun-filled you know, you look at Daniel and Revelation, the end times. Not a real fun, fun time. What are these people thinking? Well, the Dominionists think that they're going to make things so good because they're so godly that Jesus Christ will come back and basically Revelation and those verses in Daniel that apply to the end times are going to be done away with. Okay, why don't you just write your own Bible, you know? I mean, you might as well. You've already rewritten it in your own mind. It's what a lot of cults do. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake. So they're going to say they're going to do it in Jesus' name. The Bible says that there will come a time when they that kill you thinketh they doeth God's service. They do it for God. That's the day and time we're coming into. So be careful. I mean, if you've got those types of associations and if, and if you've been warning these people, and I get a lot of these emails, and you've been warning them and you've been doing the best or whatever, and, and they're just not receptive, understand something. There gets a point when you don't contend with the fool lest you be like him. Now, there is a time that you do contend with the fool lest he be wise in his own conceit. When is that? Typically at the start, you deal with somebody and they're like, boy, this guy really thinks he's got it all figured out. Well, maybe, maybe, it's your, maybe it's your task at that moment in time to contend with that person, so he does it, so he's not wise in his own conceit. And that, so you can say, when you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ, which all born again Christians will stand before, that you can say, listen, I tried to warn him, God, but he didn't, he didn't take heed. No blood on your hands. But there comes a time when you stop beating your head against that same wall, stop wasting your time, and you don't contend with a fool, lest you be like him. You do not then cast your pearls before swine, lest they turn and rend you. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Shake the dust off your feet. And a testimony against them. When that time comes, that's between you and God. But typically, if you've been trying to give somebody the truth, and they're just, you know, listen, you, can't, you know you're not going to be able to 
tell them anything because they've got it all figured out. They, they read some book or they're in some cult. Well, I have learned that you just go. Go, go, go. Help who you can help. You're going you're gonna to waste more time on one person like that when you could have been helping 20 other people that were, maybe will be receptive to the truth. What is the earmark of somebody being able to actually receive truth? Humility. A proud, proud person you're not going to get through to. Unless, now I'm not saying you don't pray and fast and, and if you feel so led in that, and God can't change their heart. But typically the scenario is that if they're bound up in some bad dogma, yeah, you can pray and fast for them, but there's a, there's a strong likelihood you're not going to sway them. So, hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake. Let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Well, there'll come a day, unfortunately too late, when they realize that they were wrong. That's why humility is so important. Humility is so key. Meekness before God. Humility, contriteness. You know, like Solomon, before he got all wound up with his thousand concubines and wives and everything and got into witchcraft. When he had, you know, when God said, what, what do you want? He, you know, basically. And he said, you know, I'm as but a little child. I don't know whether to come in or go out apart from you, God. Give me wisdom to guide this people. And that pleased God because he didn't ask for goodies. He didn't ask for, you know, the gold and the silver and whatever. He asked for something that pleased God. And that was humble. That is a great example. It's one of the few times in the Bible you ever see God was pleased you know, so that's a good, really good example of that type of thing. Now, let's go further. Jeremiah 32, 26 and 27 says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No, God, you just created the universe. I mean, eh. <laughs> no, there's nothing too hard for you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Those are things to think about. That's, those are things that build faith. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So, um, in addition to that, I posted my teaching here entitled, Imprecatory Prayers, Psalm 64, God's Judgment on Wickedness in a Christian's Door of Hope. If you've never heard this teaching, I would highly encourage you to listen to it. Changed my life when I first heard it. And this teaching is kind of an expansion on when I had first heard the teaching from before, long time ago. I'm telling you, it changed my life, big time, for the better. Since I started praying Psalm 64, I have never seen more protection on my life, I mean, ever, since I started praying Psalm 64. Something special about that psalm. And listen to my testimony on it too, because there was another man, there was a man of God that I met that God had brought him to the same psalm, and this guy had endured way more than I had ever endured. But it was just unbelievable confirmation when I uh, when I found that out. It was just wow. But anyway, I get into that in this teaching. Anyway, it's on page at the very end of page eight. I have it highlighted of uh, the sixteen-page PDF on contendingfortruth.com for. August 5th, 2012, if you're listening to this on like YouTube or something somewhere and you want to know where it's at. Uh, so, uh, you can look at that. 
that'll be an encouragement to you. Because this is the rem- I'm trying to give you the remedy for all of this bad news that I'm giving you. A biblical remedy. Jeremiah 33, 2-3 says, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Praise the Lord. Whew, that's good. That's good preaching. Psalm sixty six eighteen. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So this is one of the things... You go, well, I pray and pray and pray. No, I don't get my prayers. I said, well, there's a lot of things you can do to sabotage your prayers. Key in prayer in the keyword search box at continuingfortruth.com, and I have a teaching, the biblical keys to answered prayer. Uh, I already gave you the imprecatory prayer teaching. Then I've got another one on overcoming. And um, those will help, hopefully, put you in the right direction there. Psalm 19, 12 through 14. Who can understand his errors? And I, you, see, you hear me say this a lot when I pray. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. He's asking this of God. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Now, what would a presumptuous sin be? A sin that is a sin in God's eyes, but you are presuming it's not a sin. Which is something we're all guilty of. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Well, maybe in God's eyes it really is. We're presuming, we're being presumptuous. Cleanse me from presumptuous sins and secret faults. Faults that you don't even know are a fault, but in God's eyes are a fault. Let them not have dominion. You see how that would hinder your prayer? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, you might be, the Lord might not be hearing you about something that you don't even think is an issue. But it is to God. Now, I say that as much to myself as I would anyone else. Okay? I'm not saying that because I think I'm better, that's for sure. Uh, let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Luke twenty one thirty four through 36 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, kind of like partying, and drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So that's something I think we should be doing. I think a lot of people that are going to end up going through a lot of really, really bad stuff, not saying God can't deliver them through it, some of that's going to be because they haven't prayed in this particular manner. They might have read this verse, but they never prayed it. They never asked God for it. They never appropriated something. Pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass. Now, I'm not saying that in every instance, even if you've prayed that every day for the whole, your whole life, that may not be God's will for your life. Maybe God's going to be glorified through you by bringing you through the fire. But it does say to pray that way, so there's nothing unbiblical about praying that particular way and having the faith to believe God can deliver you. I believe that God's gonna, God will use the remnant mightily in the days and times to come. He's going to have to use somebody. I mean, he's just not going to intervene. It's just not going to see the hand of God coming out of the sky and, and implementing and, and manipulating every single thing in the way he wants. He always ends up using his remnant to do that. He works through them. So, let's go further. John... 1427, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, 
not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I, I heard uh, the other day that 365 times it says, God says to, to be not afraid in the Bible, essentially. And there's 365 days in a year. Do you ever think about that? He said 365 times in the Bible, and there's 365 days in a year. And he said, be not afraid. So, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> one for every day of the year. Um, Psalm 57, 1. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. That implies faith, if you have trust. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge, until these calamities be overpassed. Woo, now that should get you fired up. That'll get you fired up your woods wet. Anyway, um, let's go further here. Second Timothy 1 7. For the for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Um, Psalm 18 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. All of those things imply faith. He's the, the author is saying that, but he believes it. You know, and that's that's the thing. You you gotta have the faith to believe all these things are absolutely totally true, and they are true. Psalm thirty seven I'm sorry, thirty four seven. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So there's another thing. I mean, if you don't fear God, don't expect God to deliver you. Cause that's like, you know, Again, it's the opposite of, of humility. It's it's no good. So fearing God is a is is a very very important thing, and there in this particular verse it implies the Lord's protection because it says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear Him. What if you don't fear Him? Well, maybe you're going to be um, not having very much angelic protection. Sounds like to me. And there's a very low likelihood you're going to get delivered. You don't fear God? Okay. You're, 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 um, you're walking away from a lot of really, really good things. There's more blessings connected with the fear of God in the Bible than any other subject. Because it's just, I mean, humility and fear of God. Just look at the blessings connected with those two things. It's amazing. So, um, Psalm 91, 4 through 6. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Now this, is, this implies, you know, a lot of the stuff we may be going into. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the, the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So, praise the Lord. Pestilence, which could imply one of these biological things that we had mentioned which we're going to be talking about actually next in the third part. Psalm 56.11 In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Again, it's, it's, it's actually not being afraid of man, putting your trust in God, fearing God. Psalm 112 verse 7 He shall not be afraid of evil tidings, meaning the, the, the woman and the man of God. Okay, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. In other words, like this study, don't be afraid of it. Fear God. Honor the king. You know? 
on, I mean, king, the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, not like the king of England. Anyway, um, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is fixed. It's fixed on the word of God. His house is built on a solid rock, the solid rock of Christ Jesus. And when the rains come and the winds come and all these things happen, the house is going to stand firm. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Faith, it implies. And you're not afraid of evil tidings. This, this teaching, doesn't, it doesn't shake you as a Christian. Yeah, there's some things that can shake you up and are not fun to hear, but it shouldn't change anything theologically with your belief system. All it really is doing is confirming what the Bible says, where we're going to get more and more wicked and evil. I'm just trying to keep you up to speed on it all. Jeremiah 1, 17-19 Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise. Speak unto all them that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, meaning the enemy, lest I confound thee before them. In other words, if you get into a situation and all of a sudden you become a quivering bowl of jelly and you're in a fetal position over in the corner somewhere when all this stuff starts to crank up, and again, it's coming, it's just a matter of time, it says... God says, be not dismayed at their faces. Oh, I got a hundred Russian troops out front. They got tanks on the house. I don't care. Be not dismayed at their faces. Doesn't matter. God is still bigger. He created the universe. If it's your time to die, absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are dismayed at their faces, it's not a good thing says, be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. What does that imply? That implies your faith crumbles. I mean, if you're dismayed at their faces, then it's a very good chance your faith in God is waning. I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Super Christian. I'm saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. The Holy Spirit that lives inside me is going to empower me to face whatever's coming. No matter what, no matter how dark or bleak or whatever it looks. It's irrelevant. The Lord Jesus Christ is ever seated next to God the Father Almighty on his right hand, ever making intercession for the saints. That needs to be our reality. That, not the whatever's going on. So, goes on to say, For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city. And he's talking about the person. I have made thee a defensed city. An iron pillar and a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. Now, he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. You can yeah, we said that to some king back in the Old Testament. Who care? He's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. He can still protect us the same exact way. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Just believe it. He's worthy. And he's capable. So I'm going to go ahead and end part three here. Or two. And go to part three. We're going to have two, I don't know, one or two more parts, most likely. So God bless you, and we'll see you in the next part.